welcome back to this podcast series on struggling with judgment. My name is David Ingle and I'm a preacher, pastor and filmmaker and this is episode four, Getting Emotional. Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice is probably the most famous romantic novel of all time. I first came across it as a teenager when I was made to read it for my English literature class and discovered to my surprise that I really enjoyed it. And part of the genius of the book is the way in which Austen develops one of the key characters, Mr Darcy. Now our first impression is of a proud and disagreeable man. But over time that changes completely, as the heroine, Lizzie Bennet, both discovers more about him and gradually falls in love with him. The book skillfully weaves together both new information and changing emotions. And as it does, it carries us along. And most people are Darcy fans by the end. We often think that our reactions to things are mainly driven by facts and information. But we are also very influenced by our emotions. People fall for Darcy not just because they learn lots about him, they also get carried along with Lizzie Bennet's emotional journey. As she changes her mind and heart about him, well, so do we. And usually we get it right and, and judge right with our emotions. But from time to time, like with everyone's first impressions of Mr Darcy, we don't and we need to change. And this podcast is part of a series wrestling with the biblical theme of judgment. How can a God of love and compassion also be a God of judgment? And it's a question that most of us probably struggle with. But when we try and answer it, we usually focus just on the facts and the arguments. And that is important. And that's the focus of other episodes in this series. But in this podcast, I want us to grapple with our emotional reactions to God's judgment. Because for most of us, I think that even if we can get our heads and minds around God's judgment, we struggle to get our hearts around it. There's something fairly deep within us on an emotional level that just recoils at the very thought of judgment. And actually, on one level, that's a very good thing, because that reflects the heart of God. There's a beautiful passage in Luke's Gospel when Jesus is approaching Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And as he does, he stops and weeps over the city. He knows and actually he prophesies that judgment is coming for Jerusalem because of their rejection of him. And yet that breaks his heart and he cries out, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. And again and again in the Bible, we're told that God longs not for our judgment, but for our salvation. In some ways, that's the whole message of the Bible. That's the reason why Jesus came. That's what the cross is all about. A God who longs to save us. A God who wants to rescue us from judgment. A God who loves us so much that he died to forgive us. And yet, and yet, there is still judgment. And yet, Jesus still prophesies against Jerusalem. And yet, we struggle still to understand why. Why must there be judgment? 
But actually in this moment, that's not really a question for me, an intellectual thing. It's a gut reaction. I just don't get it. Deep down, it, it doesn't seem right. And I want to take you to a passage that has really helped me with this. And it's a story or parable that's found in Ezekiel 23. And it's really engaged my heart on this. And it's an unusual and surprising passage. It's actually pretty shocking and offensive. It takes us into a world that we don't often mention or even think about in church. And it's the world of the brothel and the prostitute. Crude, vulgar and offensive. And it's a parable about the two kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And it compares them to two sisters who grow up to become prostitutes. But this isn't a story of victims or exploitation or sex trafficking, as with so many of the stories of prostitution in our time. These two sisters are loved and cherished and given everything that they could want, and yet they choose to become prostitutes. Listen to some extracts from Ezekiel 23. Son of man, there were two women, daughters of the same mother, they became prostitutes in Egypt, engaging in prostitution from their youth. In that land, their breasts were fondled and their virgin bosoms caressed. They were mine and gave birth to sons and daughters. And when she, the sister that represents the people of Jerusalem, carried on her prostitution openly and exposed her naked body, I turned away from her in disgust just as I'd turned away from her sister. Yet she became more and more promiscuous as she recalled the days of her youth when she was a prostitute in Egypt. There she lusted after her lovers, whose genitals were like those of donkeys and whose omission was like that of horses. So you longed for the lewdness of your youth, when in Egypt your bosom was caressed and your young breasts fondled. Therefore this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Since you've forgotten me and turned your back on me, you must bear the consequences of your lewdness and prostitution. What are we supposed to do with that? I once said to someone that if that passage wasn't in the Bible, I wouldn't allow it to be read out in our church. I find it deeply shocking, quite offensive, and it really upsets me that I find it in the Bible. And that is the whole point. It's meant to be offensive, to be crude, to upset you, to stir up your emotions, even your anger. Because God is trying to show us, not tell us, but show us in our hearts how he feels about our sin. And God takes the most scandalous image of sin and sex in that culture and he says, that's what you're like. That's what we're like. And of course, it was directed against the Old Testament Israelites, and it's their sin that is in the crosshairs. And yet I think we're supposed to hear the force of that punch too. Because it isn't just them. It's not just their sin that makes God feel like that. That is how God feels about all our sin as well. And in some ways, things are a little different today perhaps particularly in the ways that people trafficking and exploitation mean that many prostitutes are among the great victims of our society. 
And yet I think that there's still enough in that image that resonates. Still enough to make us feel those emotions, to feel the sense of sexual sin, to feel the shame, the stigma of shock, of outrage at the comparison. Still enough to ask, woundedly, horrified, is that really how God feels about my sin? And to hear the answer, yes. And that's hard to take. But if we can, if we're willing to hear that, if we're willing to hold it, it can change. It can transform the way that we react to God's judgment. It can change how we feel about God's judgment. Because it takes us to a place where we're sort of alongside God and we suddenly realise things in a new way. We see God as a father to his people. We see the way in which he loved them and cherished them and looked after them and then suddenly how they just flung it back in his face. And we see that as we feel it, we have a sense of pain and heartache. And then something within us is shocked and angry and outraged. And suddenly what's deep within us this time is now a sense that something ought to be done. Even as we say that, we realise that that something is judgment. And if that's how God thinks about my sin, about your sin, then maybe something needs to be done about me too. And what that looks like isn't really my concern in this podcast. We'll cover it elsewhere in the series. But for now, I just want us to pause and that let that all settle in our emotions. Let that change how we feel about the very idea of judgment. But I also want to reflect on God in all of this. Because this passage, Ezekiel 23, is not just the story of two sisters who become prostitutes. It's also the story of the God who loves them, who is their father. And there's one little phrase at the start that really strikes me. God names them and then says, they were mine. And there's a mixture of love and pain in that moment. The love and pain of a father who sees their child ruined. I hope and pray that you and I never experience that pain. The pain of a mother or father over a child destroying themselves. But what would you do if you were? We often imagine that love just lets things go, that it ignores or turns a blind eye when things go wrong. We ask, why does God make such a song and dance about my sin? Why can't he just ignore it? Well, the answer is because he loves us. Because to ignore sin and ignore all the ways in which it breaks and destroys us and all the ways in which it breaks and destroys those around us, well, that isn't love. It's indifference. Because love cares. Love cares too much to just stand idly by while we are ruined. God cares and God loves them and God loves us. And so he cannot ignore it. But neither can he just give it up. I remember when I was little, my parents told me that no matter what I did, 
Even if I made a mess of my life and everything went wrong, nothing could ever stop them from loving me. Well, God is like that. And God hasn't given up on Israel and Judah in Ezekiel 23. And God hasn't given up on you and me. And the whole point of the passage, and actually the whole point of the whole book of Ezekiel, is to get them to come to their senses and turn back to God so that they might be forgiven and restored. And the first half of Ezekiel is stuffed full of messages of judgment. But the second half is stuffed full of messages of hope and restoration and salvation. It's the message of a God who shows us that our sin is so serious that if he must, he will judge it. But also of a God who loves us so much that he would do anything to rescue and save us. It's the story of a God that reaches its climax at the cross as God does do everything to save us. It's the story of a God who died so that we, so that you, might be forgiven and set free. Amen.